Welcome to this week's Eye of the Swarm, Season 4, Episode 6. Is it 6? I think so. I think we're on Episode 6, six now. I yeah, think I think it is. I, I'm, just, I'm not used to having the year uninterrupted. Right, yeah. I you mean, know, usually we have a delay we, or we something. We always have something, yeah. and we've been going steady here. So Season 4, Episode 6, your deep dive into anything and everything related to Yellow Jacket Athletics, and with our production guru in the next studio, Adam DeMuth, the big sound, Matt Johnson. I am John Garver, and... I want I want to start to start this one off uh, talking a, l- a little a little personally. Okay. Because uh <clears throat> I made uh I think it was Monday. <sighs> Man, Monday was a day. <laughs> oh, we're going back to Monday, I'm huh? Going, well, I, I, you'll just <laughs> bear with you. Okay. I'll, 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 we'll, you'll you'll get why. Monday was is the day, you know, I mean my my th- toddler was a uh, more than a handful to start the day. He was more than a handful to end the day. And everything in the middle was just, ugh. My dad used to refer to that as being a heathen. <laughs> well put, Rick. Yeah. Well put. <laughs> so, it, so it was the, 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 it was just that, that kind of a day. And at the end of the day, I'm, I'm sitting in my basement and doing a little bit of work, and I just – Threw out on Facebook, you know, nobody died, but from start to, from the get-go, this day has been lousy. Right, yeah. And I didn't put that out there because I wanted, oh, poor John and a whole bunch of sympathy. It was just, I'm getting this out of my system. Right. Sometimes you just need to vent. And this is what I'm going to, this is where I'm doing it. So then, go to bed, wake up Tuesday, getting the kid ready for school. He's in heathen mode again. I was like, oh, God, are we going to have another one of these days? And then I found out, yes, somebody did die. Right. And not just one, but two people. I knew right. I got two yeah. calls yesterday that, that friends of mine had passed um, at young ages. Right. Yep. One unexpectedly in his sleep and one due to cancer. Hashtag cancer sucks. And yes, so indeed. it was just, I was kind of in that malaise right. throughout the day and just kind of going, going through the motions and all that. And I, I want to... Put a very. I want to put two shout shouts out, shout outs, shout outs, shout outs. I want to make sure my grammar is correct. Mrs. Charter might be listening, so <laughs> you know, honors English. You know, get it right. Right. Exactly. So you know, first one, Randy Barker. Um, Randy oversees student health and counseling here, and Randy and I. Randy came to me last month when we had guest speakers on campus to talk about their their mental health journeys. And two big ones, by the way. Two very, very big names, and they are our cause. Games are back this year, and the cause being mental health matters. Right. Yeah. That is something that overwhelmingly student athletes have said we need more resources for. We need more opportunities to talk about mental health. And so Randy had come to me and said, "We've got Shamika Holtzclaw, who, if you don't know, is kind of a big name in the WNBA. She was. She was um, one of the <laughs> one of the first superstars. Yeah, one of the first uh, women's basketball superstars. I remember watching her uh, coming up when she played in high school. She was sort of uh, the quote unquote it girl mm-hmm. uh, at the high school national level, and then she played at Tennessee, where she was an All American. She was yep. a star in the WNBA. Well documented uh, mental health issues with her, right. um, and she. To her credit, has been very open about it. And the other one being Clint Larchuk. Right. Yep. Who, who was another was, one. Was a you know, an NHL goaltender for yep. many years and probably has the most publicized grizzly injury in hockey history. That one was really bad. Yeah. And you know, even I mean, I it was nineteen eighty nine when it happened. I couldn't watch it. So, the first time I watched it, so I, I walked away. Three years yeah. and I, I've seen it many times and to this day. I know it's coming, and it still makes me squeamish yeah, to see it's, it. It was, and at the presentation, he leaves the room. He can't watch it, you know, which I don't blame him. Right. Yeah. Anyway, they they were coming to campus to do their their presentations about their mental health journeys, and Randy had asked me, "Can you can you sort of MC this?" And I was like, "Well, it didn't take a whole lot of coaxing." And part of the reason being, and again, I said I'm going to get a little bit personal here, is you go back to 2018, there was just something going on with me. I didn't know what it was. And I happened to come across Clint's book, and I read it. And then I read it again. And it kind of started to resonate with me that, 
there may be a little something going on upstairs because I could draw a few parallels to some of the things he was saying in his book to what I was feeling, right, and I yeah. wasn't sure what it was. And so I, when Randy asked me to be a part of it, I was like, good, because I was going to go anyway, but this gave me a chance to get to, to Clint and just say, thank you, that book changed my life. Right, yeah. That book changed my life, so much so that I read it twice. And he looked at me and said, what? You read it twice? <laughs> yes. I read that book twice. So, Well, that's the power of literature, though. Like it if it it's, is. Yeah. And it, it, it had a profound impact on me and a profound impact on my own mental health. Right, yeah. Which I, I think, whether we like it or not, all of us have it. Right, yeah. You know? Yeah. There's there's something there for all of yeah. us, and so I've I've kind of I've I've gone back to that book a few times and I've done some research and read some other books and everything to to kind of learn how to to sort of help myself a little bit. Right. And so fast forward to Monday and Tuesday of this week, and there there was just a lot there. So Randy shows up out of nowhere in my office yesterday and just says, "How you doing?" Like, was your spidey sense tingling or something? <laughs> I mean, holy cow. And, I, you know, well, you know, by and large, yeah, I'm fine, but the last couple of days haven't been great. And so we, we talked about a few things, and it, and it helped. Right, yeah. And then the other shout-out is Melissa yeah. Fracker, because she could just sense something wasn't quite right, and so she stops by the office, hands me a card, hands me a piece of cake, and just said, you know what, you seem seem like it, the, the world is a little heavy for you right now. Th- thanks for all you do. Thanks for being here. Those two people just helped pull me out of the, the malaise right. a little yeah. bit. I mean, it's still there because two friends died. Right, yeah. But having the colleagues that we have here, Having the resources, like Randy with the Pruitt Center, bringing in these speakers, having those resources to help pull me out of this funk. I'm not completely out of it, but for the most part, I right. am. Yeah, yeah. But I, I can't say enough about the people that we have on this campus, the people that I get to work with every day who are willing to just go, all right, you know. Yeah. Garve needs to pick me up. Let's go down there and just have a chat with them. Right. Thank you. And I guess where I'm going with all of this is along the lines of mental health, because with our guest today, I'm going to bring it up a little bit. You hear, you hear a lot of people talk about it. You hear a lot of people say, you know, friend of mine committed suicide. They thought they were alone. You're not. Right. None yeah. of us are. You don't even have to say anything. Right. Just, I guess, pay attention to the people you care about. Pay attention to the people around you. Because it might be nothing more than stopping by and saying, how you doing? Right, yeah. Or saying, you know, I'm here with you if you need to talk because I can sense the world's a little bit heavy for you right now. Right, yeah. And just, just be aware of that because the power you have as that person to potentially pull another piece person out of their malaise or worse. Right. Yeah. Or worse. Mine is just a malaise, I but or worse is immeasurable. Absolutely. Um none of us are alone. No. And if you do have something going on upstairs, if if you talk to a colleague, talk to a friend, talk to your parents. Or if it's it stronger than that, talk to a professional. Right. Because yeah. there are so many people that will help you with all of this. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I've, so that's uh, enough. I'll, I'll get off my soapbox. No, I, but I, you know, you and I have Thanks not, to those people who, who kind of helped me through a, a couple days that weren't the best. I would have really liked to have been there to hear their stories. Um, just because I have actually watched some documentary footage on both Shemiko Holzkaw and also Clint Larchuk. And by the way, props to them for teaming up for this effort um, because it's, it is something that's been overlooked for so long in athletics. Um, I'm very in tune to my own mental health. That's something that I've learned over the years. Um, you know, I've, I've sought out professional help in the past on more than one occasion. 
Um, depression, anxiety runs in my family on both sides. And so it was something that in my family, we started talking about it, probably the mental health aspect of just life in general, probably in my teenage years, definitely into my college years. And now as someone who's in his mid to upper forties, it's really important for everybody to be in tune with their mental health and to understand where they're at mentally and be willing to step back and say, look, I need to take a break. Um, that's something that would not have happened years and years ago in our society. Now it's becoming no, it was taboo. Yeah, it was taboo. You just didn't do it. Um, with that kind of advent and this sort of new approach to mental health, it has, I know there's some people who still think that, you know, it's, it's a sign of weakness. That's been kind of the hurdle that we've all been trying to overcome in any kind of discussion with mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it came up with Simone Biles in the Olympics. Mm-hmm. You know, people were calling her soft and they were calling what her selfish. she took. Yeah. And it showed, that case showed how far we still have to go. And they were calling, like I said, they were calling her weak and selfish and all this kind of stuff. Not understanding. Not applauding the f- her for yeah. getting out of it because she could have been seriously hurt. Well, and in her sport... If she's not completely able to focus, yeah, that's a dangerous sport. I mean, gymnastics is as dangerous as it gets because it is so quick and the movements are so precise Mm -hmm. that if they mess up even by a little bit, not only will they throw off their score, if they if they get thrown off enough, they could kill themselves. Yes, you know they could they could or they could maim themselves for life. Mm -hmm. Um, And she took so much criticism, you know, from misplaced yeah misplaced criticism from all these different commentators and everything else, you know, and I finally weighed in on Facebook and I said, it's none of your business. Shut up. Yeah. <laughs> Stop it. This is, this is her business yep. It's between her and if her teammates are fine with it and they all were and her coaching staff, they all said the same thing. You know, she did compete later in the Olympics. I think she took a bronze, mm-hmm. but this is the most successful female gymnast in history. The most decorated. And I'm getting on my soapbox a little bit here too. So bear with me here for a moment. But she got ripped as being selfish, weak, and, you know, unable to rise to the moment and all of this other stuff. It's like, do you realize what her resume is? Yeah. How many gold medals she's won in the world championships and the Olympics? Mm -hmm. She's not weak. No. She is not a weak-minded person. Right. You don't win at that level and and achieve at that level, especially in a sport like gymnastics, if you are weak mentally. That right. just does not factor in. Right. And I think it was just such a shock to the system for a lot of people that some of them didn't know. They just lashed out at her. Right. But at the same time, it's like I had to go on Facebook and say it. It's like, leave her the – please leave her alone. Yeah. Like, this is her business. Mm-hmm. The reason why you all are mad about it is because you think that it's going to cost us a gold medal. Right. Because she's the best in the world. Everyone knows it. Yep. And she, as the being the best gymnast in the world, stepped back and said, I'm not ready for this. Yeah. And frankly, like I said, it was, not, it, it was none of your business. And it, it is not a reflection on you or American society. She was going through some stuff. Yeah. Let her go through her stuff. Yep. You know? Michael Phelps is another one. Yeah, exactly. You call him, you call him weak. You, He's the most decorated Olympic athlete in history, not right. just the most decorated swimmer. Swimmer, athlete, athlete, and Correct. you could argue he might be the most decorated athlete in history. Period, with how much he's won. Mm-hmm. I mean, what is it? It's twenty-eight medals or something. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. twenty-eight medals. Think about that. Mm-hmm. And I think what twenty-four or twenty-five are gold. Yeah, think about that. It's insane. He's been crowned the best in the world at what he does on more than twenty occasions. Has anybody ever? Right. I mean, there are organizations that have done that. Right. Was there any other athlete in the world that can say that? He's got more medals than the Yankees have championships. He does. To put it in perspective. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Think about that. And that's going back over 100 years. Yeah. So, so that's the part that we still have to get over. Yeah. Is that step forward that says, you know, yes, it's more um, it's it's more acceptable today, but we still have a long way to go. Is and that was where the whole situation with Simone Biles came up. Right. And then – at a lesser degree, Michael Phelps, who yep. also came out and said, look, I've had problems with my mental health and I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. 
And what it shows you is that mental health is not a, a sign of weakness. It, it's not a, a sign of being inadequate. It's a sign of being a human being. And it, it doesn't discriminate. No, I mean, it doesn't it's, discriminate It's like cancer that way. It's, no. It doesn't care who you are. So I just wanted to throw that out there as an mm-hmm. addition because that's why what Shamiqua Holdsclaw and Clint Malarchuk and athletes across the spectrum. Because yep. there are athletes in every sport that are now standing up and saying, look, I've struggled with my mental health. Here it is. Here's the problem. Yep. Here's what I, my experience was. Mm-hmm. And there are different things with i mean some people have anxiety some have depression some are bipolar i mean there's there's a whole you know schizophrenic there's a whole range right but it's all okay yeah it's all okay because it is like a physical injury it is like being physically ill Mm -hmm. because it is your brain is part of your body you're physically ill you may not be showing any like actual outward physical symptoms of you know oh my gosh i'm you know I've got nausea or vomiting or a fever and that kind of stuff, but it is an illness. Yeah. And it needs to be treated as an illness. Yeah. And it needs to be respected in that regard. Correct. And I wish just more people would come around to that. And I think it's getting to that point, but yeah. it still has a really long way to go. Oh, yeah. But Absolutely. I, I don't want to stay on, on the topic that much just because neither one of us is a healthcare professional by no, any means. No. We're not dispensing advice here or anything like that. It's just, no, you are not alone. Right. And thank you to the people who popped in the office yesterday and just said, you know, glad you're here. <laughs> you know, hope today is better than yesterday. Right. Yeah, but especially to Randy and Melissa, because the two of them, they, that, that meant more than they'll know. Well, and there are literally millions and millions of us going through it. Yes. At one time or another. Correct. All at the same time. Yes. Might be different people, but the estimates, if you look at it online... It's astronomical. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. Like, it's, it's in the 30, 40 million, I think, at a, any given time. Right. Are going through depression, anxiety, or are having struggles with their mental health in one way or another. Right. So, yeah, you're definitely not alone. Um, it's actually quite a lot more widespread than anyone even is willing to imagine. That's just in the United States. Yeah. Right. So, <laughs> you know, that, doesn't, that doesn't count worldwide. That's not worldwide by any means. Yeah. So... so. Anyway, there's always uh, an escape somewhat, yep. and uh, for people like me and you, sports is an, es- an escape. It is. So let's it talk is. a little bit about that after the uh, the heavy subject. Uh, let's lighten it up a little bit, and let's talk about some teams that uh, in the fall sports are continuing to roll. They are. It's It's been a wild and wacky week. I'm going to go a little alliteration there, but yeah. It's I been... love a good alliteration. <laughs> wild and wacky week would be a good way to describe what transpired, especially in the last 24 hours. Yes. And <laughs> actually it was a little strange. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not uh, on several levels. Um, not just because I broadcast the women's soccer game that ended up going to a shootout, which none of us knew about. Correct. Um, and then the men's soccer team winning what I has been referring to as a rumor game for a couple of technical reasons. <laughs> but it was a very strange last 24 hours. And I think it's kind of befitting the rivalry with St. Scholastica, just that yes. it kind of unfolded the way it did, I suppose, mm-hmm. in that regard. Um, we'll lead off with men's soccer, with that having been said, because they had the most interesting game of the day. They had the most interesting week, frankly. Yes, they did. They had it's, it's been a kind of a, a peaks and valleys kind of situation for them at a certain level, just mm-hmm. because of all the you know physical problems or, or injury problems, I should say, that they've had. Um, but yeah, they, they definitely seesawed this week. They had some really high highs and some really low lows Yep, and we'll get into all of it. Bigger picture. The men's soccer team now is a 10, three and two. So 10 wins, three losses and two draws. They're now seven, one and two in the UMAC that places them in second place behind Bethany Lutheran. Uh, they went two and one last week, but it was a very eventful three games and the three games were very, very different (laughs) in how they felt all three of them really unfolded in very, very different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, they led off the week with a 6-1 to win against Martin Luther. Then they fell to Bethany Luther and won nothing in a tight contest on Saturday. Those games were played on Friday and Saturday. And then yesterday, the crazy rally from down two goals in the last eight minutes, scored three times, including the game winner with a minute 54 on the clock. Yep to defeat St. Scholastica for the seventh straight time. So they go 2-1 and one on the week. That final score against St. Scholastica was 3-2, to two, by the way. But we'll jump into this quickly here and just get your thoughts on it because <laughs> you and I, have, have, we've been around the block. We know sports pretty well. And 
pretty a, a pretty wild three games for the men last yeah, week. Yeah, no doubt. Um, game was very straightforward against uh, the Knights of Martin Luther. That's how they started the week. Drake Schramm got two goals in that contest, as did Josh Bellamy. And the Yale Jackets also got goals from Joel Thomas and Dan Cundy in that contest to win 6-1 to one against the Knights to complete the season sweep. UWS, pretty straightforward, 43-5 to five edge in total shots, including 16-4 to four in shots on goal. Alex Paredes and Patrick Sessions split time in goal to make three saves in that contest. Jackets a little banged up, mm-hmm. so they played a lot of reserves. Yep. So those names are not necessarily names that everybody knows from the podcast, but good to see some of those younger guys come in and get some time, get some goals. and. You know, I mean, you have to find out what life is going to be like after Blake Perry leaves. Right, yeah. And these are the guys that are going to have to step up and – Create Perform. your offense for you. Right. So, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. Then against the Vikings the next day, completely different game. was very, very tightly played, mm-hmm. I would say, between the two. I thought it might be a little bit more wide open. It was the exact opposite. It yeah. was very tight. They're very tight. And, and frankly, one of the cleaner games between the two schools in recent years. Yes, it was. There was not a lot there. The, the yellow card started to pile for Bethany at the end mm-hmm. um, because they were trying to protect a one-goal lead. Right. And they successfully did so. They shot the Jackets one nothing. But for the first about 70, 75 minutes, it was very clean. Yep. There wasn't a lot of jawing back and forth. Both teams were actually very sportsmanship. There weren't even a lot of fouls. I mean, no, it was... There was, it was a very clean game. Mm-hmm. Um, tied at halftime, and then Bethany Lutheran gets the game winner from Antonio Lima, who's a really nice player, Good by the way. dandy goal, too. Yeah, it was a really nice strike. From about 25 yards out, he was able to fire one on the upper 90 right side, and that provided the game-winning margin for the Vikings. one nothing. they defeat the Yellow Jackets. Bethany had a 17-13 edge in total shots. Jackets had a 6-5 to edge in shots on target. Uh, Alex Parade has made four saves in goal for the Yellow Jackets to take the loss. So they go one and one. They played that game against Bethany without a lot of players. Also, a couple guys that did play were pretty gimped up. Mm-hmm. So it did not play out as much for the Yellow Jackets as they wanted to. They were not a full strength by any, um, you know, by any stretch. Stretch, yeah, and um, ended up losing that game to the Vikings. And then the game against the Saints happened yesterday, across the bridge over at Saints Field, UWS. Gives up two goals in the first 80 minutes to trail 2 nothing going into the final 10 minutes. And now all of a sudden, everybody's subbing players on and off. You're thinking that six-game winning streak is going to come to an end now over the Saints. That lasted for several years. Not so. The Yellow Jackets bring on three reserves, and those three reserves all score goals. Two of them within a minute. Jay mm-hmm. Kidd from right here in Superior <coughs> makes a 2-1 to at 81-39, his third goal of the season, I guess, to make mm-hmm. it a 2-1 to contest against Glasgow still ahead. Then... Just under a minute later, in fact, 59 seconds later, it's Ben Lyman scoring at 82-38, and now we're tied. Yep. So 2-2, going back and forth, another six minutes goes by before Evan Ridd scores his first career Yellow Jacket goal at 88-06 to rally Yellow Jackets for a dramatic 3-2 win. Seven straight win over St. Scholastica for the game. The Saints held a 15-12 edge in total shots, while the Jackets had a 6-4 advantage in shots on goal. Alex Paredes got the win in goal for the Yellow Jackets. He made two saves. So you're really running huh. <laughs> the gamut of soccer contests there yeah. with those three games alone. Yeah. So it was it was a wild and wacky week for It me. was, yes, absolutely. So but bigger picture, still on course to make the UMAC tournament. And, oh, without a doubt. I mean yeah, they're gonna be yeah. they're gonna be a top two seed, I'm guessing. Right. Yeah. You know, and hopefully start to get some of these guys healthy. Yeah, exactly. Women's soccer meanwhile had a pretty straightforward week for them. Ho hum. Um, yeah, ho hum. They just have <laughs> Just keep winning. Right along. <laughs> Just keep winning. They're now 9-3-4 and four overall. 9-0-1-1 UMAC. They have a very nice, comfortable advantage in the conference standings right now. Qualified for the UMAC tournament, by the way. Yeah, well. they clinched their playoff spot. Had a couple of very straightforward games against Bethany Lutheran and Martin Luther, and then had a 0-0 draw yesterday with St. Glasgow, which was also interesting because some things happened in that game that we weren't expecting. Mm-hmm. But anyway, against the Knights, Yellow Jackets went 8-1. Maya Holmquist had a hat trick in that contest. Allison Alessi, Cameron Hill, Beth Schneider, Naya Wilson, and Ava Giswold all scored for the Jackets in that game. And UWS scored two goals in the first five minutes, and from there they just pretty much rolled. Yeah. Uh, the Jackets ended up holding a 35 to nine edge in total shots, including 23 to four the advantage in shots on goal. Jenna Lang and Quinn Clark splitting time and goal for the win in that contest. And then against the Vikings, game actually looked closer than it was. Two to one was the final score, but the Jackets really were in control basically. Throughout. Yeah, the field was tilted. Yep. Against the Vikings, Yellow Jackets scored both their goals in the first half. Opened up the scoring at 11.30 when Nia Wilson drew a foul inside the Vikings' penalty area and proceeded to net her fifth goal of the season from the spot to get the Jackets an early 1-0 lead. Now, the significance there is that with that goal, she ties Anna Schusman, now Anna Bratley, 
for the all-time scoring lead in Yellow Jacket women's soccer history, her 34th goal of her career. And so her next goal will put her all alone in first place. So yep. that, was, that was the significance of that goal. And the Yellow Jackets doubled their lead at 31-15, Allison Alessi. Her seventh goal of the season, assisted by Maya Holmquist, make it 2-0. Vikings broke up the shutout in the 82nd, actually 83rd minute, to make it a 2-1 final. But the Jackets pretty much were in control after halftime. Actually, Bethany Lutheran had the ball quite a bit, but didn't really generate much with it. Right. And so, therefore, the Jackets kind of just eased their way to a win there. Bethany Lutheran had a 15-12 to 12 edge in total shots, while the Jackets had a 9-6 to 6 edge in shots on target. And it was Jenna Lang, again, who got the win in that contest. And against the Saints yesterday, Saints-Glasgow had a 15-7 to 7 advantage in total shots, 10-2 to 2 advantage in shots on goal, although there weren't a lot of really good golden scoring opportunities in that game. For felt, either team. Yeah, I mean, it felt just... like it was just a lot of play in the 18s. And, yep. You know, Scholastica came in very, very determined to win that game yesterday. Uh, head coach Allison DeGroat held out a couple of regular players um, and then used her bench pretty extensively in that game, mm-hmm. uh, trying to make sure that everybody is healthy for the stretch run here in the UMAC. But um, ended up 0-0, and then they went to a shootout, which – I, I don't know. I, I kind of have mixed feelings about it, Yeah, to be perfectly honest. I didn't even know it was going to happen. And yeah, none sending, of us did. I was sending workers home and tearing down gear. and I, you know, The officials didn't know either. I right. talked to them after the game. Then they started calling, going, oh, we're going to keep going. Oh, yeah, so okay. it was a big surprise for all of us. Um, <laughs> so it ended up 0-0. Um, yeah, third uh, scoreless draw, by the way, for the Yellow Jackets this season. They mm-hmm. had four draws on the season. Um, and uh, Jenna Lang, by the way, to, to sum up, she ended up being named uh, UMAC Defensive Player of the Week for her performances earlier on in the uh, weekend against uh, Martin Luther and Bethany Luther. So congratulations to her. But, yeah, they ended up going to a shootout. Scholastica won the shootout 5-3. So that gives them the golden anchor. I It was weird. I, yeah. I didn't know what to make of it. Nope, me either. Nobody knew it was coming. Nope. Um, and I'm not sure if that was an on-the-spot decision or the two teams have decided that beforehand. I honestly don't know. I'm guessing it was an on-the-spot decision. Okay. Because so. I, I would like to think they would have told us ahead of time this is what the protocol is going to be. Yeah. So I'm guessing they just decided it at that moment. That's what I thought too, but again, who knows? I, I was very confused. Right. So, And I know we all were up there, yep. up in the press <laughs> box. There was a lot of confusion at the end. Yep. Um, women's volleyball, straightforward for them. No strangeness at all with just them. Just keep winning. Yep, just keep winning. 13-9 and nine now overall. 9-1 and one in UMAC, comfortably in second place. Pretty much locked into that two-seat, I think. Yep, I think so as well. Went 2-0 and oh last week, defeating Martin Luther three sets to two on Friday. I should say, not locked in. But pretty close. They're going to be the one or the two. Yep. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And Bethany Lutheran, they swept them as well on Saturday, three sets to nothing. Both those matches were played on the road in New Ulm and Mankato, Minnesota, respectively, on Friday and Saturday. Against the Knights, the Yellow Jackets won by set scores of 22 25, 25 13, 25 27, 25 19, and 15 9. Offensively, Jackets were led by Alexi Preed, who had a double double, 18 kills, 21 digs for her. Lana Stark and Kalen Plouts each had 11 kills. Cassie Teff had a double-double, 23 assists and 10 digs. Colleen Cloud, 24 assists. Jenna Anderson had 25 digs, while Haley Atwood had 10 digs as well. So a lot of people chipping in on that one. Mm-hmm. And then against the Vikings, UWS won by set scores of 25-12, 26-24, and 25-21. UWS was paced by Preed with 12 kills and 11 digs. Cassie Teff, congratulations to her. Second triple-double of the year. 10 kills, 14 assists, and 12 digs. Colleen Cloud with 20 assists while Jane Anderson finished with 18 digs. So they won two matches and, like I said, right on course to be at home in the first round of the UMAC tournament. They got a couple of matches coming up this week. Mm-hmm. Last but not least, men's and women's cross country. Both teams competed at the Augustana Interregional, hosted by Augustana at Saki Golf Course in Rock Island, Illinois, on Saturday on the men's side. UWS finishing with 761 points as a team and were led by Michael Butterfield who posted a PR time of 25 minutes, 54.2 seconds in the men's 8K race. And on the women's side, UWS finished with 791 points as a team and were led by Megan Berg, who also posted a PR time over the 6K race of 25 minutes, 51.4 seconds. As a result of his performance, by the way, on Saturday, Butterfield was named UMAC Men's Cross Country Athlete of the Week for the third time this season. He also won the awards back on September 12th and September 19th. I just want to point out, that Michael Butterfield was on the show last week. Yes, he was. Jenna Lang was on the show the week before. That's correct. They were both UMAC Athletes of the Week. So, <laughs> the power are of we, the podcast we, is on full display here. Are we uh, <laughs> Are we setting a pattern here, John? I sure true? hope so. And I'm pretty certain that our guest <laughs> this week probably hopes so as well. Right. So we're going to 
jump into things here in the next segment, the round table. We're going to talk a little bit of soccer with uh, Coach Joe Mooney and Brandon Conklin, and hopefully we can get a little deeper into what happened yesterday because it sounded like one heck of a heck of a match over there across the bridge against the Saints. Yes, indeed. So we're going to take a timeout. We'll come back with more of I Have the Swarm right after this. Are we sure we're ready for this expansion? Of course we're ready for it. It's a great idea. Let's celebrate with a vacation. I'm thinking <laughs> Hawaii. We're ready for you. Is it okay if my friend comes with? Of course. Imagination's always welcome here. Bring us your best ideas. Let's see how we can help. National Bank of Commerce. Imagination's welcome. We're back for the roundtable segment of Eye of the Swarm, and we are joined by Yellow Jacket head men's soccer coach Joe Mooney, along with Brandon Conklin, fresh off of uh, emotional, um, inspiring, <laughs> come from behind, fill in your favorite adjective victory over the evil empire across the river, St. Scholastic yesterday. So let's dive right in and talk about it because I know nothing about it. I couldn't watch it. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll let uh, Conklin, maybe you can start it off here. What, what adjective would you use for that game? Uh, Fun? Crazy. Crazy. Yeah. I like crazy games. All oh, right. It was unreal. It was definitely a memory. We made one yesterday. Okay. Uh, our young guys came on and really took it to them, so all hats go off to them. They pretty much saved us yesterday. There's actually, in that very short statement, there's a lot to unpack. So let's let's start with the, the crazy fun because – Allegedly, from what I was able to glean from a box score, uh, things looking kind of bleak, down 2-0. Two, two Seeing some starters from the other team coming out of the game, yep. and then all of a sudden, what made that tide turn? Well, it was, you know, got, kind of going into the game, just kind of the, the recap of it, you know, uh, the game didn't do a lot for either team in terms of, uh, you know, we're not in the same conference right now. We're focused on on late conference play here and securing our spot uh, in the postseason and and hopefully getting the you know the best seed possible there. And we're nursing some injuries. We're we're down a few starters. We wanted to make sure we didn't lose anybody else. You know, just to to fatigue here as we're in. You know, we've got three games in five days right now. Uh, and again, late season like this. So, you know, really trying to to figure out as as soon as the Bethany game ended on Saturday. You know, my immediate thought was, okay, how do we get ready for Tuesday? And, you know, obviously there's the border rivalry. We always go into that game wanting to win. Um, it's a, you know, Barry's got a fantastic team, as always, over there. And so we knew we had to find a way to get up for it. But at the same time, you know, the priority is really trying to protect, you know, just tired legs and, and make sure we don't get anybody else on the, the injury list, anybody else down seeing Ben Casper the next morning. That was, you know, almost a bigger priority. Um, but you still go into it wanting to win, right? And so uh, we split, essentially. We, we played 21 guys in the first half, had our starters go on, uh, had the, you know, the second guys go on, and our second guys conceded in the first half. Um, and we just didn't look great. I mean, you, you, you used the word bleak, guards. I think that was a, a good word. Conks, is that yeah, fair to say about our, our yeah. performance? Yeah, not yep. great. And then they scored with, what, 17, 18 minutes left. Yep. You know, and we had kind of rotated a few guys in and out, and I thought, well, maybe we'll let let our legs go a little bit. And when they scored, it's like, nope, let's get everybody off. Let's, you know, and get our young guys on, get them some experience and protect our, our you know, starters. Um, and hats off, like, I mean, like Kong said, I mean, uh, our young guys went on and, and just put on a show. And to get three goals in eight minutes, eight minutes yeah. uh, was, was pretty ridiculous. Um, you know, Jake Kidd got, got his third goal of the season, I think. Uh, ben Lyman got his first career goal. I think was that Evan Ridd's first yep, career goal uh, to get a game winner. You know, with 90 seconds left in the game, is pretty un unreal. Um, yeah, so it was it was fantastic. Is that is that sum it up, yeah, Conks? Pretty like, well. <laughs> yep, exactly. Well, we spent a lot of time in the dark on this side. Um, yeah, <laughs> it was kind of like I I termed it the rumor bowl because there were no live stats and there was no stream. Um, we couldn't even figure out if the game was being played as a result, and there was some confusion well, going on. Because there, 
there the website said that the the video was going to be showed today as we taped this on a Wednesday at 3:30. Sure. And so people were wondering if the game was supposed to be at 3:30 after this afternoon. And I'm like nobody told me anything different and coach is gone. The team's not here. Yeah. So I'm yeah. guessing they're playing. Yeah. <laughs> The only well, way we were able to find out what was happening was through like Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, well, I'm <laughs> sure Carter kind of like Lansdale dra- had that that role going quite oh, a bit. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. I think he gave himself an assist on the second goal. <laughs> he was off the corner and he was running to grab the ball, so he tossed it to Evan to play it in. So I think he tagged himself in the post that he got the assist. So that was pretty fun. That's fantastic. So it was, yeah, it was, Carter runs all of our social media for folks listening, and, and he really does a, a great job. Well, that's uh, why I was Lansdale, asking him because yeah. he was the contestant in shoot for loot last night. If he was gonna make sure he's gonna put that on social media, too. oh yeah, he did miss twice from thirty did, yards. Did out. he really? I just want everybody to know that. <laughs> we'll let him know. So Luke yes. Schuster's got something on him right now. He does. Is that right? He does. Okay. Yeah. It was, it was kind of wild. Like I mean, <laughs> I walked into John's office, for instance, and there was somebody calling on the phone asking, like, "Where's this game?" Yeah. <laughs> and he was literally having to explain, "I don't know what to tell you. I have yeah. no idea what's I mean, going the on." The phrase "It's not my home game." I have used more this week than I've ever <laughs> used before to explain to people that I have no control over anything that is happening. Yeah. With this game, yeah. nothing. It was very bizarre, though. Like it, it was a game that if you weren't in there in person, you literally didn't know if it happened or not. Yeah. And it was kind of a throwback to the old days because I was actually telling Brandon before we started recording. Usually, like sometimes the stream will go down, and you're like, okay, well, the stream's just not working for whatever reason, and that happens. You have technical problems, but when the live stats didn't pop up, that was when I was like, because the live stats are pretty much a staple nowadays. Usually, I'm even willing to give people a pass on that because you're at an outdoor facility, right? Yeah. Usually on Wi-Fi, right? And who knows? Things right. happen yeah. outside who knows? Of your control. You you watch, you go and look at our games, and this is more information than anybody's going to want to know about live stats. But with the NCAA live stats program, they've put in a rule that you cannot set up your game and enter your game code within five hours of the game starting. Five hours is the limit. Okay. So for people that worked ahead, like we do, we would do a week at a time and get everything created, and then you just plug and play. Well, so you get up to the field, and whoever's got the first game of the doubleheader, no problem. Everything goes off without a hitch. Suddenly, your second game, your live stats aren't working because you entered your code more than five hours before the start of the mm. game, and then the system reads it as, oh, well, I guess the game's already done. So it doesn't allow you okay. to cycle through your stats. So knowing that they don't have Jesse up there and they might have set it up with longer, further out than five hours right. would explain why nothing was showing sure. up. So because of that new rule, which is so stupid, Stupid. I'm willing to give people a pass on live stats now. Fair enough. When okay, they don't, when they don't show up. But that that was like the first indication to me that something was up. Because just about every game I watch, whether it's in our region or somewhere else, somebody has live stats for it. So that was when I thought, well, is this game happening or not? Like, yeah. yeah. Then I saw the tweets from Skate Scholastica saying, yes, we are playing today. And I walked in his office and I said, have you heard anything about this game? Just as he gets off the phone, he's like, I I have no idea. He's like, because I texted Mooney, Mooney texted back. There had been some discussions about moving it, but it never happened. And then Joe, he said, sent me a text. Basically said, nope, we're playing it to today. This was yesterday, Tuesday. And I'm like, okay, well, maybe there is a game. Maybe there isn't. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But it was, well, we so I started calling it the rumor bowl because nobody, if you there, there was there. a game, Matt, and it was uh, the last eight minutes of it were, were pretty fantastic. If, you know, if anybody gets a chance to watch it back now on the replay, you may just fast forward to the 82nd minute of the game and just kind of tune in at that point. <laughs> that would be my recommendation. Yep. Where does it rank? I mean, that's, that, that's a pretty special finish. Yeah. You know, taking out who the opponent is, mm-hmm. where does that rank for you? I mean, you... For me, I said after the game, I thought probably top three in, okay. in terms of just crazy games that I've been a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Bethany final last year was up there. Um, you know, we had a Scholastic game, man, back. I was talking to Ben Casper about this. The overtime goal in the rainstorm. Yeah, that Casper his came on. Year, his freshman year. Got his two minutes of glory and came on and, and scored on a rebound goal. It was his, I think his first action his first, of his freshman, right. freshman year. It was his first goal. Um, Pouring rain that Oh, was. yeah. Yeah. And they and they put it on us that game. I mean, they were they were really good. Matt Elder was a freshman goalkeeper, had a fantastic game, um, and uh, kept us in it. And then um, did he stop a PK yeah. in that game? 
I believe he did. He did. I think it was a penalty, and then there was a there was a free kick as well. That was yeah. I mean, yeah, there were a few just like highlight worthy saves that he had. It was good memory, Garves. Yeah, Thank it was, you. It was wild. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So those you know those are up there. Um, the Bethany game a few years back uh, in the COVID spring. The the six five six five one. Yeah. The Blake Perioti winner that he yeah. floated over yeah, the keeper. Yeah, chipped, chipped him. Yeah, for the for the winner. Mm-hmm. That was a wild that game was broadcast. There. That was a I'll crazy bet. game. Eleven goals. <laughs> yeah, you don't expect crazy. that. No. Yeah. No. Yeah, I was like at that point, I was wondering if anybody was going to win this game. <laughs> like yeah. that was all I thought about. <laughs> yeah. It. Who wants it less, guys? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Here, you have a goal. Uh-huh. No, you have a goal. Oh, Who wants man. it less? It was wild. Yeah. <laughs> well, I know that because yeah. uh, Holden Locke came over to me during the women's broadcast last night, and he kind of said to me, "Well, after Evan scored, he didn't really know what to do. He was kind of like." <laughs> He's, he's kind of like, he's Rick, kind of like looking Bobby around like, what am I supposed like, to do here? I'm not sure what to do with my hands. <laughs> yeah, that's when he, he kind of ran around and was like, car drove real good. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, he said he didn't really, like his response was kind of more like shock than yeah. anything else. Yeah. Like that went oh. in the net. Yeah. We're up three to two. And it's like, he started like running around and he said he didn't really know how to celebrate it. No backflips, no nothing, yeah. just uh, yeah. kind of lost out there. Well, well, Evan scored a great goal. If you remember, Conks, he, st- he scored a really nice goal last year where he he broke the line, made a fantastic run forward, uh, and scored. And then I think they called him off. Or, yeah, yep. or, or they called a foul somewhere. It was like not to do with Evan. It was something happened like that, and they, you know, so the, the goal got call, called Thanks, back. Thanks, guys. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> so uh, the fact that that's his first collegiate goal – that's a memorable one. That oh, is yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Does it still have? I mean, because does it still have the rivalry feel, even though there's nothing on the line anymore? Yeah, I would say it definitely. It does. does? Okay. I mean, you never want to go into a game with those guys and lose. And I mean, we see them year long. It's not just we see them the one game that we play them. Right. We know what they're doing throughout the year. So yeah, it's still a big. And rivalry. I, I suppose there's still. I mean, over the course of the summer. There's, mm-hmm. You play together. Correct, yes. You know, and if you're not playing together, you're playing against some of those guys. So there's there's a lot of familiarity and obviously some bragging rights, even though there's no conference standing mm-hmm. yep. with it. Yeah. Yeah, I would say, you know, this year just, again, it felt a little bit different going into it just because of the implications, kind of the bigger implications on our season. Um, but once, you know, once kickoff happened, you, you find yourself right back into that rivalry and, and wanting to win. Um, and again, I, I think Barry's got a, a terrific team, and, and uh, you know it was uh, it was certainly not an easy game. Would you prefer to have this earlier in the year? Uh, based on on this year, yes. Okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm just even thinking from a rivalry standpoint because I'm thinking you, you talking about okay, Bethany ends on Saturday, and you start home. Oh, I going to put my lineup together, and how long my starter is going to play. Allison played Saint Scholastica last night. She's got two key starters that probably could have played, but she kept out. Mm-hmm. If it's a conference game, obviously those people are going to play. If it's earlier in the year, those people are going to play. Right. So I mean, it, it takes a little bit of shine off of it when you are kind of you're maybe not putting your best lineup out. Right. Right. You know. So if it's early in the year, maybe some. Yeah, there's a little more of that. Does that make any sense? It does. Or yeah, just oh, yeah absolutely. Over no, here, I like, mean, you know, your grandfather on the porch, and okay, just give grandpa a cup of coffee. And let him do his thing. <laughs> well, Allison, who yesterday. would you say, Conch, who's, who's the grandpa on our team? Who's getting that cup of coffee? Grandpa on our team, uh, probably Benny. Benny's pretty much a dad, <laughs> That's dad outrageous. of the team. Shows up to practice wearing boots on his motorcycle. Yeah. It's definitely Benson. <laughs> yeah, Noah Benson. I, I give him the the gram, grandpa yep. award. Yeah, yeah. every Pretty team cool. has to have a grandpa though. True, you need that. Right. Every great team, you yep. have to, part of your chemistry. You gotta have it. Yep, yep. I thought you might say Perry. Well, just based on age. But, yeah, yeah, he's old. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's starting to hobble around a little bit. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> But because uh, <laughs> you've you've had Just a few grandpas like. over the years, <laughs> Dalton Van Kano comes to mind. He was, I think, Dalton would be a grandpa. Oh, yeah. He's yeah, a grandpa that's figure. One. You know, and he's he probably still is that figure to some extent. You know, yeah. In his what his second or third year uh, as a goalkeeper assistant coach with us, like, yeah, he's got a little bit of that grandpa to him, doesn't? Oh, yeah. he? yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let's talk a little bit about the injuries because yeah. uh, you never get through a season unscathed, obviously, but. You know, I coming from the hockey world where Rich last year never had his starting lineup together yeah. Yeah. once, not once. 
I'd never seen anything like that from the hockey side, and you're kind of enduring that a little bit this year now too because it's, you know, every game, great, yay, we won, but who got hurt this oh, we time? we lost, yep. You know, yep. And, and so what has that been like, and how have you been able to navigate that? Well, I, I can feel their pain, you know, pun intended now, uh, with, uh, you know, you mentioned the hockey team was so banged up last year, and uh, really for us from the start, I mean, we lost Will Mainstrom in, in game one, I mean, preseason game one, uh, you know, we, we thought it was just sort of a, you know, kind of a knee knock, uh, you know, maybe a meniscus, and it turns out it's his ACL. So he just had surgery last week. Uh, so Props to him for showing up to the game yeah. like two hours after, though. <laughs> yeah, you ask him then, uh, you know, the next day, was that a good idea or yeah, not? Yeah, he's he was pretty sore the next day. He was feeling it. So um, he did not come to the Bethany game, did not come yesterday. He's been on the couch, and from what I hear from his roommates, he's been kind of milking this uh this role a little bit you know <laughs> he's got his his sandwich roommate who goes to get the sandwiches he's got his blanket roommate to get an extra blanket for he's yeah he's being coddled a little bit um I could see him doing that I had a roommate in college who, <laughs> who had the knee reconstruction yeah. too so yeah I, I just talking I to Will and knowing Will I could people. see him doing that though. oh yeah absolutely but the boys have been good to him you know and so props to them but yeah I mean really you know it, it started there and then you know uh, and he was a big part of our plans for this year. Uh, you know, we had we had talked a lot about going into a three back system, and uh, he was a big part of that three back. Uh, and so, you know, we just kind of had that next guy up mentality, and um, you know, we we put a pretty good back three together between Alex Hansen, Noah Benson, and, and Harry Ambler. Um, but we also felt like we were pretty deep, you know, those first couple games, and all of a sudden, just losing one of your of your backs, just our depth didn't look as as deep anymore, and then. Right away, game two of the regular season, Noah Benson goes down with a high ankle sprain. He's out for a few weeks, and, and then all of a sudden it's like we're really thin. We're shuffling guys around, and we're just not getting the same rotation. And I feel like it put extra miles on every one of our players from there on out, which just kind of snowballed into a lot of these nagging injuries that have come up midseason. Um, you know, over the weekend, we were we were without five starters, right. you know, over the weekend. And so um, that uh, – it just shows kind of where we're at right now. That said, uh, we do have a terrific athletic training staff, and uh, our hope is right now that we're going to start getting guys back over the next two weeks. Um, you know, we got some pretty great news on a few players uh, here, maybe even for this week. Um, so if we can be kind of playing as well as we are, I don't think we're playing at 100% level right now. There's some things we need to tighten up. We've talked about that. I see Conk shaking his head. Yeah, he knows. Um but, uh, you know, if we can be playing at this level right now without kind of full fitness, I, I like what we're going to be able to put together here in a couple of weeks as well. Well, and we, it came up on, on Saturday, and I know we're going we're gonna to rip the scab off here and, and talk about it just a little bit. Bring but it. The, yeah. pe- the people who are like, oh, my God, they, they lost to Bethany. Mm-hmm. They're in second place now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. All right, season's over. Oh, my God. It's like, <laughs> do you understand who did not – play right in that match right or and, play it at half speed or yeah. right yeah. and you, you said it immediately after you got off the air yeah like i'm totally comfortable playing that team again oh yeah and mm-hmm. knowing who was it in the lineup mm-hmm. absolutely comfortable yeah. playing that yep. t- comfortable playing anybody yeah yeah, yeah not know. having Blake so Perry, i mean a, you know. a one a one nil loss in that situation not the end of the world no and you know and i think if you look back at that game what it needed was a game breaker you know, and props to them. Uh, they got know, it. Uh, what a fantastic strike by that young man. Uh, you know, he's a good player. Uh, he is. Lima, he's a he's a great player. And uh, you know, and, and we showed a little video. too much time on the turf for my liking. But <laughs> that strike though was that real, goal that was, was yeah. yeah. That's a goal, man. Fantastic goal. You know, I think there's some things we could have done to maybe uh, press that ball a little bit better. Um, but that said, I mean, can't take anything away from him or, or the goal he, he scored. Um, you know, but from our side, what we needed was that game breaker. You know, uh, I thought our guys put in a, a terrific shift. Um, and really, again, a lot of these guys are playing on knocks right now. And so for right. them to grind through it and put us in position to still win, even though we didn't get the result, it's like, you know, when we start to get some of those game breakers back, I, I like where we are. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Talk about it from the standpoint in the room when you are dealing with just this the rash of injuries. And knowing the okay, yes, we got the win, but who who are we without now? Next man up is a great mentality, but sometimes you're running out of man up. So 
how does the men, what's the mentality in the room? How do you guys as players look at that and go, okay, we've, we've got to figure this out. We got to figure something else out because there, there, there's nobody left. Yeah. For me, uh, my mentality goes back to preseason preseason here. It's always a really big grind. And, uh, I mean, you're going three a day practices, you got an 8am and noon and then a three or 4pm and two hour practices, three of them. Uh, for about Wonder a, guys a week or hurt. so. <laughs> and as he's describing it, I'm thinking, huh, all right, put a lot of miles on. You know, it, it's an absolute grind. And then you just go back to that mentality kind of, if you can get through that, I mean, yeah, we pick up some, some injuries throughout the season, but it's going to be fine. It's not going to be worse than preseason. That's, that's, that's where I come from. Yeah, so. you know, and we talked about it too. Um, you know, I these guys, will, they'll kind of give me a bit of grief for this. I, I love analogies. I'm, I'm always, you know, throwing analogies into a lot of our talks and uh you know we talked about at the beginning of the season that we really want to treat this year uh in our squad as a scramble you know and so I, I use the golf scramble analogy and and uh you know had the chance to to golf with a few of our alums and the alumni outing this year and um in that scramble it was very obvious I was the uh the least <laughs> valuable member of that team Matt rode along with us he could it's a great yeah. position to be in right when you build the team <laughs> <laughs> that's what you do that's build, one of the things i do runs. best yeah why well, I, I limped onto that team uh <laughs> so. i will say this in your defense you did like start to find your mojo right around hole probably eight or nine yeah right? well that's when, yeah and we could talk about why that is maybe on a different podcast but um, <laughs> <laughs> you know but the the point matt you're actually getting right to the point is uh you know I think we use like two or three of my shots, you know, the the entire 18 holes cuz I'm just not, you know, I'm not to the same level as a golfer as the guys I was you golfing with. We need more with. committee meetings is what you need. We need more 8 a.m. committee meetings during the summer. Correct. Yeah. And um you know, and so what I told the guys was like I want us all to you know kind of think of this as a scramble and it means that, you know, guys like Blake Perry, they're hitting a shot on every hole, you know, or a couple shots. We're going to we're going to ride a guy like that, you know. Uh, you know, a lot of our guys, Conks and Carson in the midfield, Andy's come on this year and been great. You know, uh, Mac, I mean, I can go through the list, right? But yesterday's a great example of where you go to the scramble and it's like, okay, Evan Ridd, this is, this is your chance to hit a shot and we need you to sink that, you know, that putt. Suddenly for you're running a skin. And all of a sudden yeah. he does, right? Yeah, you, you know, mm -hmm. and that's, and, and when the guys buy into that kind of mentality, you know, it really is a next man up and it comes sometimes from, from guys who maybe from the outside looking in, you know, maybe the fans or, you know, people following the team wouldn't expect Evan Ridd to be the game-winning goal scorer yesterday. But I sure had confidence in him. You know, he had confidence in himself. And then you look across the squad, they all knew, you know, when we scored that second goal, Garves, I'm, I'm telling you guys, like, we all knew that third one was coming. And you look across the field, it's like any one of these guys can do it. You know, so that's, that's the mentality these guys have. And it's, it's really cool to be a part of a team like that. Makes I'm, it a lot of fun. I'm glad you touched on mentality too, because we we talked a little bit last spring when we were doing uh, day of giving stuff that one of the the focuses you were going to be looking at was like sports psychology mm -hmm. and and tapping into the mental game a little bit more because we talk about the physical game all yeah. the time, mm -hmm. but you hear more and more people talking about you've got to you know you got to pay attention to the mental part and you've got to work the mental. The mental muscle too, just like mm -hmm. you do the physical muscle and everything. And I know that's something that that you're you're passionate about. You talk about it a lot. You read a lot about that. And the way that this year has unfolded, it's kind of it's it's forced the mental toughness a mm -hmm. little bit in your group, hasn't it? Big time. And how has all of your research and readings and everything on the mental aspect of the game? How have you had to implement all of that from the psychological side to make sure that these guys know, Evan Root, I have confidence in you. Mm -hmm. how, have you? how have you had to work all that? Well, I think, you know, so we, we talk about there's really three pillars to, to anybody's performance. And, you know, obviously there's the, the technical and tactical side of it, right? So throw that into sort of like the skill bucket or the skill pillar, okay? And then there's the physical side of it. That's you getting bigger, faster, stronger, more agile, all that and, and we know you know those those first two pillars we can train those pillars and we do right and you know but then you think about the the mental pillar and, and like you said Garves a lot of people are, are realizing I think they've always known that that's important you know you think about the players you know the greats in any sport 
and then they you know you think of them as being sort of like you know clutch or, or however you want to put it like they're just they're mentally strong they look to those those moments of adversity and they're the ones coming through it and it's like okay great that's you know we can say it's important but I think what we are finding out more and more now is you can train that and you know so to have guys like Randy Barker uh, come in and, and doing a lot of work with our group uh, guys like Zach Harworth, who's an alum and is now uh, finished up his doctorate in sports psych, um, do some consulting with our group. Uh, we spent, you know, you talk about that preseason, Conks, uh, a significant amount of our preseason was dedicated. Yeah, we got on the field and we trained you guys and we ground you into the ground a little bit, but a lot of our energy and time was spent on the mental side of it. And I'll, I'll let you kind of chime in, Conks, just, you know, what you think that's done or, or has it, I mean... Not to put you on the spot, yeah. but, you know. No, it's good because I was going to go there. Yeah. So I'm glad you did it, yeah. not me. Yeah, for me, um, the what I've gotten most out of the mental training has been focus on things that you can control rather than the uncontrollables. So things you can control, your effort, your attitude, things that you can't control. You can't control results. You can do, do to a degree, but you can't entirely. Another one is you can't control what the refs are doing. You can't control what the other team are doing. And I found that when we focus on us and keep our heads, you see other teams that start to get away from that. And I think that's what wins us a lot of our games, honestly, this year. And we've had a huge buy-in from the entire team of that. And I think it's been a lot stronger than it has in the past years. So, Well, it gets back to your point, guards, right? So one of the things you can't control is injuries, right? Yep. I mean, there's prep and stuff like that that we can do preventative. But there's, uh, you know, these injuries, a lot of them are they're contact injuries that are just outside of our control. And so you can't necessarily control what the lineup looks like then, but what you can control is how you support each other, how you, you breed that confidence, you know, how, to your point, when Evan Rigg gets on the, on the field or any one of our younger guys gets on the field, you can control your communication to those guys and, and really, you know, the amount of support that they feel. Um, and, and I, you know, to your point, Conks, I, I do think that it, it directly relates to our performance and, you know, hopefully our continued success. So continued success is a great segue because I know we're up against it here, so we'll we'll ask a couple more and we'll get you guys out of here. But I don't have class. You don't. You don't. <laughs> no doubt about that. But uh, so you're getting some guys healthy now. I think four regular season matches left before you get into the, the postseason mm-hmm. grind a little bit. So where are we going? What are we liking? And what do we have to fix to make sure that you are at that point on November 2nd when the postseason starts that – you're going about the business that your program has traditionally gone about. Yeah, and really, I think it's it's following along with that process, and I, and I want to hear from Conks too on this. You know, but we've adopted a you know this this sort of a try fail fix mentality, and so really the entire season has been about that. It's you know every you know every game we go out, it's it's really about treating that game individually um, and just focusing on on that one contest, uh, and you know kind of trying to put our best. Uh, best product out on the field and then you know really honestly looking at it after the fact and saying okay you know what do we need to start stop keep doing what what do we need to fix from this one Um, and just hopefully you know trying to continually refine our team Um, and so you know we get right back into conference play on Friday and you know uh, it's it's a balance of taking care of business on that day and also you know from a coaching staff we are looking at that big picture as well how is this continuing to refine us so that when we hit November, we're playing our best soccer? Um, and, and again, I just I can't uh, I can't say it enough how much fun this group has been to work with. I, I feel like in 15 years of coaching, and I've actually said this to the boys, I feel like this is the most buy-in we've had. This is the the most fun I've had coaching has been. And sorry to all of our alums, I love you all, but. This group has been so much fun. You just to made coach. fundraising a whole lot harder. <laughs> <laughs> I said that to him after one of the games. You know, and our whole staff is is alums, and they just look at me with these puppy dog eyes, like, "What do you mean, coach? We weren't the most fun to coach." But uh, except no, for you, group. Ben Casper, keep right. treating those injuries. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, it, but it really has been, and, and they've really bought into this process. So, so, Conks, I'll, I'll let you kind of comment on that, though. Yeah. Um, I think our team has, or we play our best soccer is when we're enjoying it the most. So that's one thing recently we've been focusing on more. I think we got away from it a bit at times. We weren't having as much fun. You can see it on the field when we're enjoying ourselves, we're playing our best. Right. And um, on your other point, uh, this program has been very successful in the past years. 
And we feel like this year we have nothing to lose because this specific team has not won a UMAC title yet. We haven't done any of that. So I think if we go out and play like we have nothing to lose, we're going to have our most fun, and then therefore that's going to create the best output for us. Well, I look forward to seeing the output the rest of the way, and hopefully everybody's having a whole lot of fun here over the next few weeks. Coach Mooney, Brandon Conklin, thanks for coming by. Thank you. I got one more question to ask before we sign off here officially. (sighs) Oh, oh boys, here we right? go. Okay. <laughs> Brandon Conklin, what do you think about taking a few extra classes, just stretching out that degree and using that COVID year for maybe a second senior year next year? <laughs> Have you thought about it much? Great point. I've thought about it a little bit. Is there <laughs> Double there majors a are a great thing. <laughs> <laughs> Double majors uh-huh. are a great thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, so. I, I've thought about it. I don't know yet. Just we'll think a little bit more. Yeah. You know, and you make that decision. We'll have you back because there's other things we can still talk about. (laughs) Absolutely. Sounds good. (laughs) Thanks for coming by, guys. Thank you. We'll We'll take a break. We'll come back with more of I the Swarm right after this. Orkers Island Inn is now hiring, and there's a position just for you. Apply for front desk, housekeeper, bartender, server, cook, and dishwasher. We're hiring great people like you. Call or click for more information and apply today. We're back for the final segment of Eye of the Swarm and uh, another good conversation with Coach Joe Mooney. And one thing I appreciate with him is no matter who he has on, he is not afraid to put his players on the spot. I remember last year when he did it to Blake Perry. Yes. <laughs> I think that maybe that should be like a prerequisite. Now it, it pretty much is. The players that look, your coach is going to put you on the spot. Yeah, here, no, 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 because then it's not on the spot. Just you let it happen. Yeah, that's true. Just well, and let it happen. He did look. I mean, Conklin did look like he was a little bit, um, a little bit taken aback, like he wasn't expecting it. So that not was, quite caught as off guard as Blake Perry was last year, but uh, always fun to see when the athletes get put on the spot by coach a little bit. Then always good because Joe's the one coach that will always throw some movie lines in it for me. <laughs> and and I, I really appreciate the coaches that'll throw song lyrics or movie lines at me. Well, That's fantastic. Joe's kind of an experienced podcaster as well, so he kind Correct. of gets it a little yeah. bit because he has his own podcast. Right. So, um, his is a, based on leadership qualities and all that kind of stuff because mm-hmm. that's a big part of his program. And, right. You know, that previous conversation, he did talk about it quite a bit because mm-hmm. he relies a lot on the leadership of his upperclassmen. Right. I mean, and the way that he runs his program is that – the names may change, but the results and the consistency stay the same. Right. And it's because of the way that he runs his program. And it's the fact that even the younger guys do get their time on the field. They get to learn. They get to kind of grow into their roles as upperclassmen. And so every year, they're ready to become leaders for the squad. And so that's just kind of, you know, we've seen, we've, you and I have seen it after class after class that have come through. Right. But that's a big part of what, of what Coach Mooney does on the men's side. And to be perfectly honest, Allison DeGroote on the women's side too. Right. They both do that quite a bit. Yeah. So. And they're both heading on the road this week. So they are. What do we got going on? All right. Men's soccer and women's soccer, both on the road, both taking on the same opponents different times, of course. They're back-to-back double headers on the road. Both teams will be at North Central this coming Friday. Their second games against the Rams, respectively. The men will lead it off on Friday at 1 p.m. Women will follow up at 3.30 p.m. And then the same story on Saturday at Northwestern. Men at 1 and the women at 3.30. So... Seeing the Rams and the Eagles for the second time here in the 2022 campaign. Should be two good ones there. Women's volleyball, meanwhile, will be home to take on North Central and Northwestern. They've been flip-flopping schedules now for several weeks. In terms, well, of, It's been the whole conference season. Yeah. They've yeah. been flip-flopping, so yeah. you know, not that surprising. Yeah, so the women will be on the home court at the Mertz. That's the volleyball team, of course. Friday taking on North Central. That'll be senior day, by senior the way. Senior night, yep. Yep, senior night. 7 p.m. the opening serve, and then they'll be taking on the number five ranked team in the country, Northwestern, at the Mertz on Saturday at 1 p.m. That should be a fun one. That Northwestern <laughs> team is 21 and two at the time of this uh, recording, and uh, they're a fun squad. <laughs> they're yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I, I I look forward to seeing you know seeing them because I mean, you're coming in as the number five team. There's hype, right? And yeah, yeah. you want to see what what the hype is all about, right? You know, the record kind of speaks for itself. Right. And you got yep. two losses in there, one against the defending national champions where he lost in five sets, and another one to a St. Olaf club that is no slouch Nope, in the MIAC. So, you know, Coach uh, Coach Beth down there at Northwestern has something happening this she year. She does. And, and I'm looking forward to seeing it in person. She's built it very well. Yep. Um, you know, I think early on in her career they weren't quite as successful, but 
the last decade, it has been very impressive. Mm-hmm. And the biggest upset I've probably ever broadcasted was when we defeated them at the Mertz. And I forget what year that was. I would have say 16 or 17 maybe. I, well, we we broke their winning streak. Eight, at, I think it was 2018. Okay, was it 18? It was the fall of 2018. And they had won like six, what was it? 62 or 63 consecutive yeah, conference matches. Something like that. And we swept them. And we them. swept them. And I was courtside for that one. Yep. That was before I started broadcasting from up above. Yep. And I was courtside. And I was kind of, while I was doing the match, I was kind of sitting there like, have I entered like an alternative? a parallel universe here a little bit just because where's the portal yeah exactly and the, and w- for whatever reason the crowd was big that night yep and of course the place was humming yeah it was loud yeah it and was loud. it was kind of like completely unexpected which made it all the more enjoyable yep because yellow jackets played really well that night they played great that night yeah they yeah. played great that night yeah and uh it was probably the best i've ever seen them play yep so that was really enjoyable but uh They'll renew acquaintances again, second time this year at the Mertz again. Saturday afternoon. Yep, Saturday afternoon. Men's and women's cross country, the other team that's still in action from the fall, but they're off this weekend. The reason why? They're getting ready for the UMAC cross country championships, Mm -hmm. which will be on Saturday the 29th in St. Bonifacius, Minnesota. Yep. So they got a full week off to get ready for that one, and uh, good luck to them. But uh, absolutely, yeah. So we got soccer and volleyball this week. Kind of a light slate. It's a little bit of a light slate, yeah, Yeah. because we've. uh, If you know, we only have the two volleyball matches at home this weekend. Right. Else is on the road, and you know, but uh, I guess enjoy it because we're a couple weeks away from having the schedule flooded. Complete when, madness when will you, take place in a couple the, weeks. The right, hockey yeah. and basketball teams competing at home because that's just around the corner. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And then the UMAC tournament will be coming up too. We'll have some more broadcasts on ninety-one point three. Right now, we're done for the regular season with our regular season broadcasting for the fall teams. But all three teams we're figuring will be in the UMAC tournament, and there's a really good chance all three of them will be at home. Yep. So check out the buckle uh, up. Yep. So check out the website, the athletics website, uwsyellowjackets.com to figure out or find out when they'll be at home more than likely and who they'll be playing and what times. Yep. Because that's when we'll be back on the air, or at least I will be back on the air with the uh, playoff runs of You're being spared from having to listen to me until the 4th of November. (laughs) That's never a good thing, Jim. We we like listening to you. That's the whole – that's part of the whole fun And I get a double header right out of the shoot, even though the first game will be – Delayed. Oh, is it the oh? Yeah, because the the women play that afternoon. Oh, okay. Yep. Do they really? Yeah. Are they at? Oh, it's at home, obviously. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, they're at home at on, at three thirty in that afternoon, and the guys are playing at seven. So, yeah. Oh wow! Diving I, right in. Is that on my birthday this year again? What? Uh, November fourth. That's the day before my birthday. <laughs> oh, there you go. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. I always know it's right around that time. Like yep. they, they always start right around that time. So. Yep. So still a couple of weeks before we we dive on into that. Right. Okay. So that's what's coming up this week. Uh, you know, again, a light slate, but uh, significant games across the board for everybody. Yeah, yeah, we're getting in that postseason push now, and now everybody's really jockeying for position. And all three teams are in a really good spot right now yep. in terms of the conference race. So, um, you know, the Jacket men are one point behind Bethany in the standings. So any slip-ups by the Vikings and Jackets could very well take over that number one seed. The women have a five-point lead right now in the conference race, and that could grow by the end of the weekend. Right. And then uh, women's volleyball is, I think, three games up on Morris would be yep. the it, challenger for second place right now. So yep. yeah, it would or and they're only a game behind Northwestern at the top. So right, yeah, everybody's in good position right now for the most part. Yeah, it should be a a good good strong finish to the regular season for our fall sports, no doubt about that. For our production guru in the control room, Adam Demuth for the Big Sound, Matt Johnson. I am John Garver, and thank you once again for listening to Eye of the Swarm. Mm-hmm.